0: Blessings and woes. Oh my goodness. What a bunch of readings with good news and bad news. I'm reminded of Adrian Melch when he says, it's a blessing and a curse. Right? Well, what have we got? We've got Jeremiah. And Jeremiah the prophet pronounces a series of blessings and curses upon the people of Israel. And we have Luke. On a level place, Jesus preaches to his disciples, pronouncing God's blessing and on some and woes that are to come upon others both Jeremiah and Jesus bring both blessings and woes to our attention today, and they echo one another in their teaching let's start with Jeremiah in our culture where choices are a matter of taste personal preference and often of little import Jeremiah poses a deadly serious choice with all encompassing consequences the choice of whom we trust. Oddly, people today still make such choices day after day, but never even realizing the scope of what seem like little decisions over what to buy, watch, say, think, or do. There are a thousand little ways we are choosing for God, for wisdom, for holiness, or not. The images are profound echoing the psalm that is also listed for today, the first psalm. Those who trust in mere mortals, those out there, whether they're politicians, or bosses, or salespeople, or lovers, or the more relied upon, but least trustworthy mortals of all, ourselves, are like a desert shrub in a parched place, shriveled, lifeless, gasping for life. But those who trust in the Lord, like a tree planted by the streams, by the water. Thomas Merton says, a tree gives glory to God by being a tree. The source of the glory is hidden. What makes a tree thrive is in the dark, underground, unseen earth, even if you know it's the river that provides the life up and through the dirt to the trunk and the branches and the leaves. Then Jeremiah's warning, Is stupendous and harrowing. The most cunning heart, it's beyond help. Who can figure it out? He says. What is revealed here to us is how duplicitous, how gullible, how easily duped the human heart is. Jeremiah is speaking to the people of his time, of course, but he speaks also to ours, even to the hearts of the holiest. You talk yourself into consumption, self-doubt, recrimination of others, political ideology. You name it, you talk yourself into it. You think our hearts would be wiser, smarter, more potent somehow. God made the heart. But it is malleable. It's easily tugged toward foolishness. We need mercy. We need healing. We need power we don't have of ourselves we need to trust the power of god not man then we fast forward to jesus time and wow what a great way to get people's attention jesus the reading from luke begins by telling us that jesus has grown in popularity because of his power to heal it's good to see that jesus has found a way to heal and work deeds of power so that many follow him and now jesus begins to preach he comes down to a level place as if to get down on the people's level the sermon begins well enough with a series of blessings upon those whom the world often curses but then the sermon goes negative with a series of woes and curses and warnings to those whom the world considers to be most powerful and blessed. I wouldn't want to be checking his approval rating at the end of that sermon. It is interesting to know that this message is specifically given to the disciples. The gathered crowd simply overhear their conversation. While the blessings in this sermon are similar to four of the Beatitudes in Matthew five, we notice that Luke's rendition is briefer, it's shorter, it's edgier, and it has this sharp contrasting of the you who are blessed, and the you who are cursed. Luke pairs the blessings with four woes. It's trouble ahead, he says, as if to really drive the point home. Jesus speaks of the poor and the rich, those who hunger and those with plenty, those who weep and those who laugh, those who are hated, and those who are popular in the world. This is a difficult message. In order to fully understand this passage, it will help us to place it in the larger context of Luke's message. In Luke's Gospel, we see Jesus' deep concern for the marginalized and the poor. One of the major themes we see throughout Luke's message is that it is no secret that Jesus has come to turn the world upside down. This is clearly seen in the very beginning in Mary's song, the Magnificat, is recorded in the first chapter. He has pulled the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. Mary knew the heart of Jesus even before he was born. And a couple weeks ago in chapter 4 we see Jesus in the temple quoting from Isaiah the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me he has sent me to preach good news to the poor if we remember these passages it may help us to understand Jesus's words in our scripture for today as Jesus preaches his sermon on the plain becomes clearer that he is really preaching two sermons. Jesus raised his eyes to the disciple and said, here comes sermon one. He didn't say that, I said that. <laughs> he said, you're blessed when you've lost it all. God's kingdom is there for the finding. Bless you, all you poor. Most of the kingdoms of this world function for the rich, helping the rich get richer and forcing the poor into even greater poverty. Even Jesus observed that, Good news, though, in God's realm, those whom the world, through its taxes, legal structures, systems of punishment, races, racism, prejudices, and put-downs makes the poor, the poor will be made rich in God's realm. Then he says, you're blessed when you're ravenously hungry. Then you're ready for the messianic meal you are those of you who are hungry I know there's not much greater misfortune than hunger but in God's kingdom that's coming there will be more than enough for you there will be more than enough food more than enough opportunity a plentiful future rather than a broken tomorrow that the world offers you nobody will be forced to go to bed hungry you the hungry are about to be filled because God has a special place in God's realm for those of you whom the world sends away empty. You're blessed when the tears flow freely. Joy comes in the morning. Oh, you lucky ones who are now weeping. Your tears will turn to laughter. Those of you who have received so much bad news will be the recipients of good news. God's realm is coming. And in that realm, those who mourn because of their losses that they have suffered in this world will receive a new world in which laughter will be the order of the day. And then, count yourself blessed every time someone cuts you down or throws you out, every time someone sneers or blackens your name to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and that person is uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Skip like a lamb if you like. that for even though they don't like it I do and all heaven applause and know that you're in good company my preachers and witnesses have always been treated like this so if you've ever been put down left out shunned or disrespected because of Jesus rejoice if you have been punished because of your faith in Jesus you are about to receive your reward that's the way the world has always treated people who twel- tell the truth, serve the truth, and try to be obedient and faithful to Jesus. Not the posers, the ones who are the real disciples. God loves you as much as God loves all of the great but persecuted prophets of old. So that's the end of the first sermon. Did you feel Jesus, the preacher, was talking directly to you? I remember learning once, in a a class about giving sermons, that the, the good sermons make someone feel like you're preaching directly to them. Did you feel that? Did you hear this sermon is good news, good news for you? Okay, then there's sermon number two. This time, the preacher's voice changes from a tone of compassion and reassurance to one that we don't often hear in sermons, at least not around our church. The voice sounds accusatory and judgmental, even harsh. Here we go. But it's trouble ahead if you think you have it made. What you have is all you're gonna get. If you're looking at an older translation, it might say, but alas, for you who are rich, for you have your comfort. Well, that's bad news for anyone who thinks they haven't made. Their day is coming. He says, you have the best that that this world has to offer, the finest quality of everything your hearts desire. You took great joy in your possessions, feeling that they secured you and your family from misfortune, seeing your possessions as your just desserts for your hard work and prudence. You have already received the best this world has to offer, and now that's over. And he says, There's trouble ahead if you're satisfied with yourself. Yourself will not satisfy you for long. The older language said something like, alas for you who are now replete, for you will be hungry. So those of you who have really fat, rich corporations, big houses, giant garages, big cars, lots and lots of opportunities to make money off of other people. Now is your time to have less. You're about to feel, for the first time in your life, emptiness, knowing hunger, sensing a void inside of you. Sorry. (laughs) Then, and it's trouble ahead if you think life is all fun and games. There's suffering to be met, and you're going to meet it. Old style words alas for those now laughing for you will mourn and lament bad luck for those of you that are jolly happy joyful with the way that life has treated you and you're all content and satisfied it's a party unfortunately for you it's your turn to mourn and weep you who have experienced the world as a joyful and pleasant place will now get to see the other side of the story terrible And then the last section. There's trouble ahead when you live only for the approval of others. Saying what flatters them, doing what indulges them. Popularity contests are not truth contests. Look how many scoundrel creatures were approved by your ancestors. Your task is to be true, not popular. Old version. Alas for you when all men speak well of you, for in like fashion their fathers did the same things to the false prophets. Bad times are had for you, for whom everybody is your friend and nobody is your enemy, for you who are surrounded by yes-men. Unfortunately, you have received so much praise and adulation in this world, you are about to see how the other half lives. You shouldn't have believed your good press. The world's praise you're about to find is a testimony to all the ways that you have compromised and sold out. Well, that's the end of sermon number two. We get it, right, when we look back at Jeremiah and we see that we have to trust, we have to make a choice, and those of us that are living for the approval of man in this world are not looking in the right direction. We need to trust in God. So, which of Jesus' two sermons did you like? No, that's not really the right question. Uh, In which of the two sermons did you find Jesus speaking directly to you? Which sermon did you hear with a great sense of relief? On the other hand, which sermon made you squirm? Well, instead of squirming, that's never comfortable. Instead of squirming, let's take a closer look at what we can learn here. Luke's gospel simultaneously assures of blessings and highlights the pitfalls of wealth. It's no secret that money can present big challenges to our faith, the love of money being one of the hardest things to deal with. Peter Eaton says it really well. He says, Luke is among the clearest of the New Testament writers on the power that wealth wields to isolate us from God and from the rest of the human community. But Luke does not consider those with wealth to be beyond salvation. Well, there's good news, right? He goes on to cite instances in which people with great material wealth used their resources for good, like Zacchaeus in Luke 19 and Cornelius in Acts 10, just to name a couple. So what's the lesson here? Well, a hearer should not wallow in despair at these words of woe. Instead, they should be considering how they might be able to use their material blessings to bless those whom Jesus blesses, the poor, the hungry, those who weep, and those who are despised. While preparing this week, I was reminded of a quote which is originally attributed to Peter Finley Dunn. He said that the role of the newspaper was to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. I'll bet you've heard that. Yeah, I'd say that this is the role of scripture, especially this particular little sermon. People will no doubt try to identify themselves in one of those two lists. For those in need, this scripture offers a message of hope and their struggles will not last forever. For those who have plenty and more than enough, it is a reminder that this world is not all there is. For those prosperity gospel folks, If you're getting rich off of others, there's something wrong. It is a plea to all of us to share our resources and our blessings with those who are in need. We know that these blessings will be a reality when the kingdom of God is fully realized. And yet, here is the really important part. Jesus expects his followers to make this kingdom of God, this realm of God, a reality now not just in the future, right now. As followers of Jesus, we are to usher in God's realm by blessing others. This is an opportunity for us to search our hearts. Jesus' messages of caring for the marginalized and turning the world upside down are clear. The question for us becomes, do we want to live this way? Are we willing to take the risks that may be present? in turning the world upside down? Are we willing to make the necessary sacrifices? Do we want a world that is more equitable? Or are we more comfortable living in a world where the rich and powerful stay on top and those on the margins stay put? These are difficult questions. But they are necessary for us to become true disciples. We cannot expect someone to understand the idea of Jesus as living water if they have no access to clean water. We cannot expect people to understand Jesus as the bread of life if their bellies are empty. Who in your community needs to be blessed? Who is poor and hungry among you? Who needs a shoulder on which to cry? Who is being excluded and reviled? Are you willing to stand with them? How can you become the blessing that Jesus pronounces? I want to recommend a book to you. It is Nadia Boltz Weber's Beatitude Benediction. Forgive will give you a moment. Beatitude Benediction by Nadia boltz weber While she mainly references the Sermon on the Mount, the version from Matthew, in her book, I believe the content applies to the blessings and woes in Luke as well. In it she writes this, Maybe Jesus was simply blessing the ones around him that day who didn't otherwise receive blessing, who had come to believe that for them blessings would never be in the cards. I mean, Come on, doesn't that sound just like something Jesus would do? Extravagantly throwing around blessings as if they grew on trees? So, how can we become Beatitudes, become a blessings for our community? Let's be the tree growing by the water. Let's throw some blessings around. Amen. Amen.